1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode is sponsored by Sourcebooks, and is an interview we did with Katie Ruggle. Her newest book is Rocky Mountain Cowboy Christmas, the first in the new Rocky Mountain Cowboy series, which brings pulse-pounding romantic suspense to a cowboy's Colorado Christmas. You'll love the four books in her most recent series, Rocky Mountain Canine Unit, about canine officers, their trusty dogs, and the women they swear to protect. Track down, run to ground, on the chase, survive the night and through the fire. Katie's first series, search and rescue, included six titles about Rocky Mountain rescue divers courting danger and each other. Look for other new source books, Casablanca Christmas titles such as You Had Me at Cowboy by Jenny Martz, Cowboy Seal Christmas by Nicole Helm, Billionaire Wolf by Christmas, uh, Billionaire Wolf for Christmas by Terry Spear, and Cowboy Christmas Jubilee from Dylan Crush. <music> To episode two eighty nine of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by OverDrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you?
3: I'm giggly. Yeah. We just fought through a, an an ad read and some stuff, and I was like, I couldn't. I you were reading everything, and I was just nervous. We start laughing at the stupidest things, so I was afraid I to even make eye contact. So that's what we we're just that's talking. My radio about. voice. Your I yeah. Every time we have an ad read or anything. Even if it's like I did the interview for today, which is with Katie Ruggle, which in our, like you mentioned in the ad read, this episode is sponsored by Sourcebooks. And but even if like I had nothing to do with this episode, anytime we have a sponsorship, I'm like, here's the information, Jill, because you're reading it because you have the the radio voice. I do not. Um, yeah. Um, if Actually, before I talk about what the episodes about, like, how can people get a hold of us if they want to talk with us?
1: They can go to our website, ProfessionalBookNerds.com and there get links for our all of our social. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can also get links for our Viber community to come talk about books with us. And you can email us directly at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com.
3: Yes, you can. And if you haven't listened to our most recent episodes, uh, in a couple weeks we'll be doing a kind of holiday gift-giving episode where we're taking... The types of books that you or people in your gift giving circle enjoy, and we'll give you book recommendations for those people. We've gotten a lot of responses. I'd love a few more so that we can really keep it varied. <laughs> a couple of people have been just in, like, I don't buy books for other people, but I love them for myself, which is totally fine. So definitely email us, basically, either your or the person that you're buying for's interests, and we will give some book recommendations out to a bunch of those. Uh, in an upcoming episode and also we recently finished our 30-day book challenge little circuit on the uh, last day of november Uh, whether you're on your first day your 25th day 30th day whatever keep tagging us in those on instagram you can find the actual post on instagram and twitter uh and our website if you want to to grab the template for that we love seeing those so keep doing it um Okay, that's all like the housekeeping, right? Yep. Okay, cool. So today's interview is with Katie Ruggle, who is a romance suspense novelist writer. And I don't read a lot of romance, but I love talking to romance novelists because there's all these small niches of romance, um, and Katie writes about these Rocky Mountain like police and firefighter. Uh, type of people and what's always interesting to me about romance writers is they tend to have a background that's like kind of tied to their genre and so katie has this history of she um is a trained like cold water rescue person in the rocky mountains she's worked with the police forces and she's just she has a really interesting life it's really cool and then actually next week episode is kind of similar where it's like all about rodeo romance and cowboy romance things and the author of that one like has spent her life in rodeos so it's just really interesting to hear she's she says in this conversation it's like yeah i write all about fires all the time and blowing stuff up because i see that a lot and i'm like that's super interesting so made me want to read these books for sure um and as you'll see with next week's episode and this week's episode she has a christmas themed title that uh, has recently come out so we know christmas and romance very often go hand in hand romance are very popular this time of year yep you would know that as a librarian better than i would so yes um, yeah, I think people will enjoy it. Um, are there other things that you think people should know about? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I, there wasn't that wasn't like a leading question. I'm I know I was curious. Um okay, cool. Well, I think that's everything on r n then and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Katie Ruggle on the professional Book nerds podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Adam again, and today I am joined by Katie Ruggle, who is a wildly prolific romance and erotic romance and suspense novel writer. Uh, She is well known for all of her books that are centered in the Rocky Mountain area, and she has all sorts of stuff about canines and police and firefighters. And we're going to dive into a whole bunch of it today. So first off, Katie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so we normally like to start our episodes with our authors by having you talk about Kind of your latest novel and looking through all of your pages it feels like you are just constantly releasing new things for your readers so i will let you start about just kind of can you share some information on whatever is your latest novel or honestly any of your most recent novels that you want to talk about because there seems to be a variety of them to choose from (laughs)
2: Um, yes last uh, last year was a very busy year with writing (laughs) um i just had a whole bunch of projects kind of pile up on so um, this year was fun because we had a lot of releases, but the uh, latest one, um, which is kind of seasonal, seasonally appropriate to talk about, um, is the um, uh, the Rocky Mountain Cowboy Christmas. And um, that is Fireman Steve's story. And Fireman Steve is a character who he popped up in my um, Search and Rescue series. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in the canine series, and um, people kept asking, you know, when is Steve getting his own book? And it almost became kind of a um, uh, a little bit of a running joke. Steve. You know, that Steve, poor Steve, he's a widower with four kids, and he's never getting his happy ending. It's just <laughs> a book after book, and he never gets he never gets the you know uh, to find anyone mm-hmm. himself. So. This one is for Steve and, um, um, it is <laughs> so for Steve has been, um, you know, since he was moving series to series, he keeps ending up in these small towns that, um, uh, <clears throat> over the course of the series tend to get blown up and burned down and <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> so he, uh, he ends up, takes his kids, moves back to the family farm, um, which is um, in Blooran, Colorado, um, and um, which is you know, still in the mountains, but he's hoping it will be a little safer for his family uh, to grow up in. And um, so he moves back um, with his, um, uh, his uh, three brothers, and um, he hasn't been, he hasn't lived back in town um, for um, about, I believe, 17 years. Um, and, um, so he goes back to work on his family's Christmas tree farm. And, uh, on this farm, they, um, uh, they also do logging with horses. So they, when people go out and they pick their Christmas tree, so they'll cut it and then they'll bring it back with the horses. Um, so this ranch is very, very Christmassy. (laughs) Um, and, um. But he also is um, a firefighter, and so um, on his very first day, um, they get a um, search and rescue call, and the town hermit, um, whose name is Camille, uh, she is kind of the uh, eccentric artist. Um, Her neighbor said that she hasn't seen her um, in over a day and that she went out. Um, on foot, and she's worried that she's lost in the wilderness. Um, <clears throat> so they go out searching for her, and it ends up, um, she has just been uh, gone for a couple hours. She did return, and her neighbor didn't see, but um, uh, she is um, uh, at the local junkyard because she does um, uh, uses metal for her, metal art sculptures. And so she's foraging there, but um, the, the whole search and rescue crew shows up, and so um, she's just completely mortified by this, by all the attention. And um, so Steve uh, pretends to get his foot stuck um, in the metal and tries to get the attention off of her because uh, he remembers her from high school. Remember, she's shy, and um, so that's kind of how it starts. And um, so. Um, uh, Camille starts selling her sculptures at the Christmas tree farm um, and um that meets the kids who are all uh, definitely their own individuals mm-hmm. and um and just kind of start to become part of their family and um, uh, part of their christmas Christmas traditions so um and of course, since it's one of my books, there is some some fire and maybe a little explosion, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but it's a little less uh, on the suspense side and kind of more on the uh, the found family and uh, Christmas side um, for once.
3: I have to say, f- first off, something that made me laugh at the very at the beginning of your kind of description is. I don't know what it is about romance readers and the writers that they love, but we have several friends who have been on the show who are romance writers, and they talk about the exact same thing where you write these stories and then you have a side character, like for yours it's Steve, and they you're constantly getting these messages from readers like, why doesn't that particular person have their own story? I don't know what it is about romance readers, but it's like they fall for a certain person who maybe you as a writer weren't expecting to be the main story and all of a sudden you have to give that person a story of their own.
2: <laughs> yes. It's, um, uh, it, it's interesting. In, in fact, the Search and Rescue series, um, <clears throat> the um, uh, main uh, villain of the piece, I ha- did have people asking uh, if that person could have their own story um and in that case, I did say no. <laughs> <laughs> the bad guy is not giving the story <laughs> um,
3: so you mentioned you know a lot of your books have you know search and rescue and and fire and things of that nature involved with them. That's a little bit you have that in your background, correct
2: i do i have a, a very um odd and and uh <clears throat> um uh, a lot of different things in my background. I um, was a uh, creative writing major in college, and then I got my MBA, uh, and then I went to work for an engineering company. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, so af- after um, I left that job, I thought, well, um, uh, I either want to get my PhD in technical writing or I want to go to cop school. And so I um, <laughs> I looked at each program, and I thought, you know, cop school looks like so much more fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I it did end up doing that and um, worked for a police department as a community service officer. Um, and uh, my favorite part of that was that we were part of the crime scene team, so we did a lot of the forensics um, on, on the major cases. And... Um, I turned into such a forensic nerd. Um, I just love love all of that, and my editor has to kind of pull me back sometimes because um, a lot of times what I think is really fascinating, she's like, no, no, Katie, that's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yes, and then. Um, uh, when I moved, um, up in the middle of nowhere in the mountains, um, I did volunteer for the fire department there. Um, so I got the crash course in, um, uh, being, you know, the volunteer firefighter and, um, and I was trained in, um, uh, cold water rescue as well. So, um, which I don't know why I thought that would be fun, <laughs> <Yeah>. but um, <laughs> but it was it was it was really cold. Um, but um, but no, it it was really interesting and really fun. And that's kind of how I got the idea for my first uh, search and rescue book, um, Hold Your Breath, which is about um, cold water rescue divers.
3: I first off the. I feel like it takes a certain type of person to look at the idea of you know like the police academy or cop school and be like yeah I'm gonna do that and but that's one type of person but the the cold water rescue stuff like do you have a a swimming background or I'm just I'm blown away because I am terrified of deep water and cold deep water just sounds hauntingly creepy like. Do you have a swimming yeah. background, or where did that come from? Where you just—you seem to be that type of person who's just very free spirited. Like, yeah, I'll go try that sort of thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, my my kryptonite um, is when people say like, "Come on, it'll be fun," <laughs> and a lot of times it's it's you know terrifying. But um, but usually it's fun when they say that, um, and that's what <laughs> the chief said. He was like, "No, come on, do this. It'll be fun." <laughs> um, but no, I. Um, uh, I don't really have a um, swimming background. I did do diving, but uh, I'm just certified in open water diving um, as far as that goes. Um, so just, you know, swimming around and, and looking at pretty fish. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, with the, the cold water, it was, um, uh, you know, we were in the dry suits, um, but we, we stayed at the surface. Okay, And so um, it's but I agree, though, the idea I remember, like as a kid, the idea that scared me the very most was being in the freezing cold water and like getting pulled by the current. And so you're you're under the ice and you can't get through. And um, yeah, that's actually one of one of the um, one of the scenes in there. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> oh man,
3: I guess I guess the best way to get through things is to write through it, though. I suppose, kind of write through your fears.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's. It's. Um, we will have that talk a lot uh, with my editor and uh, uh, my production editor and a couple other people from Sourcebooks. We'll think. We'll say, okay, what is the scariest thing you can imagine, and then we try to put it into the book.
3: <laughs> um uh, so I like we talked about a lot of your your other books are very, you know, suspensefully romantic kind of tie in and and using those two genres together. So did it was it kind of a a breath of, of fresh air, excuse the pun, to do the kind of the found family with uh the Rocky Mountain Cowboy Christmas for a change? Was it just something like a nice change of pace for you as a writer?
2: It was and um I got to write about horses, which is um, one of my uh, my hobbies. Um, I have way too many expensive hobbies. (laughs) Um, And um, uh, so I was excited about that. And also Camille's personality. Um, There's one scene where she's in her workshop and someone knocks on the door and she's trying to hide because she doesn't want to answer the door. And um, there's so many parts of her that um, it's kind of my hermit side. So that was really fun to write about, and uh, and also when it when it was published and uh, when it was released, um, how many people said, "Oh, Camille is me," and I was <laughs> like, "Yes, I feel you, sister." <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man. Uh, so I'm I'm a guess I'm guessing another one of your hobbies is dogs since you have the the canine unit series as well.
2: Um, yes, I do um I have two dogs right now. Um, an Australian Shepherd and a um Great Pyrenees. And um the Australian Shepherd, um, I tried to take him to um along with his brother, I tried to take them to um herding lessons.
0: because
2: mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it's like their destiny. They <laughs> they need this to be fulfilled. Right. And um so and every time we go uh, you know, they were kind of interested, not that interested. The yeah. woman who's teaching us was like, oh, bring them back. I think, you know, I think we can get them going. Mm-hmm. Until one day when um, he was um, going to make the sheep and a butterfly went by and he <laughs> started following it. And he, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like the poster child for canine ADD. Oh, my God. We are not doing this anymore. And... <laughs> So I have the Aussies that don't herd, and then I have a great Pyrenees grass, and um, uh, I got her because I really wanted chickens, but out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, there's coyotes, Mm -hmm. and there's this um, red-tailed hawk that sits on the gate and just waits for me to bring him chicken dinner, you know. (laughs) Um, I I just thought, there's no way I can have chickens out here. So I thought, well, I'm going to get a Pyrenees, a guardian livestock dog, and um you know she can keep away the predators and, mm-hmm. um but so i got her as um as a puppy and um she would hear the coyote yipping in the distance and uh she would run inside and hide under the bed oh um and so yes so she's she's my you know um 80 pound lap dog and <laughs> Um, so I call it the Island of Misfit Dogs, because no one does what they're supposed to do. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but they're they're lovely. And, um, I do, um, uh, obedience and agility with the Aussies. And the Pyrenees, I'm just happy if she sits. <laughs> like, man, if I'm holding a hot dog.
3: Well, listen, I totally understand. I have a Weimariner and a Vishla, which are both hunting dogs. Oh. And I... <laughs> I'm I'm actually not even not only out a hunter, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't even eat the meat that someone else goes and gets. But I our Vizhla is the younger of the two, and we have never trained him or anything for hunting, but he comes from a line of hunting dogs, and anytime he's in our yard, he will hunt the the Weimariner. He will literally like stalk him and point. <laughs> and the Weimariner comes from a a line of uh of, like, show dogs. So he has no hunting ability in his brain. He's the same way, like, when we had him as a puppy, he saw a mouse, and the mouse ran between his legs, and he looked under his legs and then looked up at me and was like, did you see that thing? So I totally get having misfit dogs who don't know what they're supposed to be doing. That makes I think that makes them better. Yes, I know, I know. They're,
2: uh, um, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun, but you must have, I mean... They're both pretty
3: high energy dogs, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I'm a I, yeah. yeah, I'm a distance runner and I also they so they ah. get they get runs with me every day and they also go on hikes and all sorts of stuff. So they they have nice. they're eight and six, but they're eight and six year old puppies. So they'll always <laughs> yeah. have lots of energy. <laughs> um, I know, a, yes. um so I I'm kinda curious, we were talking about how many books <laughs> you released this year. So what is your kind of like writing process like you know we were talking about all the the hobbies and interests you have and you obviously put those into your book so I assume you know sort of the, the research part of things is really just this the knowledge that you already have but when it comes down to actually putting all of these words down like what is your schedule like are you kind of like a nine to five writer or just maybe like take us through how you're able to do all this
2: um yeah I um uh I definitely have to start writing in the morning uh if I let myself um then I can fill up my day with everything else very mm-hmm. easily um but um, so i um I sit down and um I usually write till about uh two in the afternoon
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then i and, um <laughs> unless I'm on a deadline <laughs> <laughs> and then it's four in the morning but um. <laughs> Um, and then I go out and I'll um, I have uh, three horses now and uh, so I'll go out and work with the horses or um, uh, that sort of thing but yeah I try to stay really structured because otherwise things don't get done Mm -hmm. so um, but um, and I'm I'm definitely a pantser (laughs) Uh, I everything else in my life I have I do lists and I try to be really organized and um, make everything neat and tidy and I try to outline my books, and like the first point, I'm off-roading and I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> and <laughs> so I always, I always warn them when I do my uh, synopsis board, um, uh, you know, for the for the publisher when they're being launched. I'm like, you know, this isn't going to be what the book is, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. So just, <laughs> just put whatever you think right now. Oh. And um, so because of that, we end up changing and edits. Uh, About 50 to, well, about a third to 50% of the book. Oh, my God. I know, I know. Completely changed. Like, um, different people die than we expect. So so you are definitely one
3: of the, you're one of the types of people who you aren't hyper-protective of all the words you write in those first drafts, right? I know a lot of people will write their, like, 100,000-word draft, and they're, like, very protective of them. It sounds like you're... Okay with going through and, and cleaning up a lot of those.
2: Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and I, I really trust. I love my editor. I really trust her. Um, and um, uh, and so I know that what she's doing helps it. Um, there have been just a couple sticky times where I um, I'm like, no, you know, I I really would like this, and so. We find a way to work around it uh, and compromise, so we're both happy. Um, But um, the the hardest part, especially writing about dogs, is that um, you have the reality, and then you kind of have what readers demand.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And so um, that was a little hard because we had to, I hate getting things wrong with the research. Mhm. And so, um uh for example, um, um there's um generally um the car's not heated, um, that the canine is in mm-hmm. uh because they um they want them to be used to the temperature. So um they cool it, you know, they have the fans in the summer so the dogs don't get overheated, but in the winter um they just let the dog get acclimated to that Mm -hmm. um so that it's not like they go out and and they're freezing right um but my mother said no you have to put a heater in that car and (laughs) (laughs) i'm like okay fine i'll put put the heater in the car but um and it's things like that 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 are the hardest for me to change because i'm like but it's right Mm -hmm. but i know but it's it's you have to do it, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so that's the toughest for me but but overall, with my words, um I'm like, yeah, um, go ahead and change it, um, and then, and I'm a grammar nerd, too, so uh, copy edit, um, uh, i um I'll argue about a comma for like um or I'll discuss a comma, it's not really arguing.
3: Um, for like three <laughs> paragraphs. <laughs> oh, we have a lot of those here at our offices, so I can appreciate that. Um,
2: yeah. I,
3: I mentioned, you know, a couple of times that you're both a, a suspense and romance writer. Why do you think that those two genres kind of play so well together in books?
2: Um, I think because, um, uh, they both, they both play to the tension. Mm-hmm. So you have the romantic tension and the suspense tension, um, and it just it just helps build on each other. Especially, you know, when you're in a stressful, tense situation with someone, um, the relationship can progress so much faster, just because um, uh, I think it does reveal who they are mm-hmm. um, uh, in a much shorter time frame, um, and also, um, I I hate the. Um kind of tension that's based on misunderstandings and not communicating and um I really like it when uh the the couple is a team mm-hmm. um and um so to do that, I have to have kind of the outside conflict uh coming in and mm-hmm. um and you know they they have their struggles in their relationship but um but I don't um uh you know i i like that to be a really solid reason why they're um why they're not getting together and um and it's and it's nice to be able just to blow something up
0: <laughs>
2: and, <laughs> and, to, and to, you know something they have to work through together mm-hmm. um so that they can be a team at the same time um, i just want everyone to get along
3: um, so kind of along those same lines, like what's a romance trope that you absolutely hate seeing in romance novels? uh, did you say the tropes yeah yeah what's one that you do that you do not like
2: i I don't like um a secret baby um mm. because um uh, yeah that's just not one of my favorites uh-huh. um uh, let's see. Um I'm th- thinking because honestly I'll I'll read almost anything, um as long as it's done well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um but yeah, I definitely have my favorites. Um I'm not big on second chance.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
2: I um uh I love um uh friends to lovers, um, enemies to lovers, any of those uh are great. Um I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> um uh, obviously I, I love, you know, the suspense and that. Mm-hmm. um um uh, I, I love the uh the fake marriage or the fake relationship. Uh-huh. That's one of my favorites. Uh, okay, now I'm doing favorites. Sorry, that's okay. I, I'm no, I'm not
3: doing the ones I don't like. No, that's a, that's okay. Secret baby, secret baby sounds like one that I would see, like if I walked into my mom watching um, like Days of Our Lives or a soap opera. Like secret baby feels like a, a a soap opera thing for sure. So I can I can agree with you on that.
2: Yeah. Well, I just can't think of a justification um, to keep the baby a secret um, mm-hmm. from the other parent. Uh, that's not. Um, unless that other parent is such a horrible person, you don't want them to be the hero in a romance yep. novel. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, so that's the main reason I have trouble with that one. Um, but, um, uh, let's see. I think it's not really a trope, but, um, what makes me shut a book is when, uh, and this is why I'm so determined to get my research right, is when. Um, it's something that I know about, and they get it wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, like I did a lot of research um, on um, guns because one of my characters has a gunshot mm-hmm. um, in uh, the Search and Rescue series, and um, uh, and I do target shooting. Uh, I like you. I don't. I'm not a hunter. Mm-hmm. I like anything except paper um, <laughs> makes me like really upset. I, mm-hmm. You know, when I hit a ground squirrel with my car, I'm like
3: yeah,
2: just wrecked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah. Um, uh, so, no, I'm not 100, but I, I do like target cheating. And, um, and so when people will uh, they'll be, they'll say it's a Glock, and then they talk about taking the safety off.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they don't have an external safety on them. Um, then It it just rips my brain out Um, (laughs) of the book. (laughs) (laughs) That you know, horse stuff, um, some dog stuff. Um, When it's when it's not accurate, then I just I have a hard time getting back into the story. Mm -hmm.
3: Um, I totally understand. By the way, about like hitting a you know a squirrel or an animal of any kind, I am absolutely with you. There's actually there's a website called does the dog die.com. And it's a website where you can search for books or movies or TV shows that feature oh. animals. And it'll literally tell you if the dog survives or not, because like, I do not care how good a story is or like a book is or a movie or anything. I know I'm going to be emotionally crushed if the animal dies. So I just try to like steer clear of those. So I, even if it's a fake animal, I'm right there with you. Yes.
2: Yes. And, um, and, and all of my books, the dog never dies. So, um, so you're, you're in the clear. As I say, that's
3: the right way to do it. You're keeping us safe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I hate to even ask because you've released so many books this year, but do you, are you currently working on new stories in your series?
2: Um, yes and no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, the canine series, um, just finished up and, um, on say September. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never keep track. <laughs> uh, and, and titles too. I always forget my own title. Uh-huh. but um, <clears throat> um so that finished up. The first one in the um, Rocky Mountain Cowboys, um which was Steve's stories, that mm-hmm. Steve's story that I was talking about, um that one is it's a Christmas series. So um that's gonna be out um, uh, Christmas two thousand and nineteen will be the next one. So, In Between is the series that I'm the most excited about. I've been waiting to do this series um, because it is the Rocky Mountain Bounty Hunters,
0: uh-huh. and
2: it's a family of sisters who are um, bounty hunters. Ooh. And, yeah, I come from a big family. Uh, I have five sisters, and um, I, um, uh, the first one, the first book in the series, In Her Sights, will be out in March. And um, I am very excited about it because uh, it's all about the women um, uh, who are, you know, kicking ass and taking names. And, um, uh, and uh, the hero, um, he's very useful, but he kind of follows behind her like a puppy. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so it, was just, it was a lot of fun to do kind of a, um, a female-centered um, uh, uh, mist- uh, uh, suspense. So, um, uh, and especially with the family and the sisters.
3: So um, are you going to have the sisters kind of take on personalities of your own sisters? Or are you steering clear of that type of situation?
2: I, I, I'm i pretty much steering clear. Uh-huh. Um, my characters, you know, people always ask, like, you know, who's this inspired by? Who's that inspired by? And, um, it's, they kind of pop out of my brain fully formed um i'm sure it's little bits and pieces of everybody i know but they kind of have their own fully formed personalities and they never do what i want um (laughs) and so (laughs) so i think i'm safe i don't think i'll get in trouble with my sisters, um (laughs) with 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 the uh um with the bounty hunter sisters oh that's
3: so funny um, okay. I <laughs> so, I uh, towards the end of our podcast with authors, we love to ask what we call the nerd nine, just nine sort of lighthearted questions. Not that anything else I asked you was super deep and heavy. I know, but, uh, we used to call them rapid fire. And then we had so many people who would write in because I get on tangents all the time and they'd be like, please stop calling those rapid fire. Y- you get so sidetracked. So they're very li- <laughs> lighthearted. Um, the first one is What's the last book you finished reading? How? Oh. Um,
2: um, hang on. Hang <laughs> on. I need to find it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm bad with my own titles, and I'm even worse with um, um, other people's tales. Oh,
3: right there it's, with um, you.
2: Um, it's Little White Lies by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Nice.
3: Uh, what's your favorite place to read?
2: Um, it's probably, um, I have a big armchair and I sit in it sideways and the cat sits, um, uh, up top next to me
3: on the top of the chair. Uh, do you remember the book that made you sort of fall in love with reading as a kid?
2: Um, yes. Um, it was the, um, uh, actually the Narnia series I think sticks out the most. Um, and, uh, my mom would always read to me and even when I could read myself, um, I think I was still 12 and she'd still read books to me. Um, so, um, uh, so I really have good memories with, mm-hmm. with that series and, um, with, uh, uh, reading with my mom. Yeah.
3: That is adorable. What is one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Australia. Nice. Do you have a favorite holiday?
2: Oh, um, hmm, hmm Not really. Um,
3: I thought sure you were gonna say Christmas because you have a book oh, about it. I,
2: I, I know, but um, um, I, but I can't. When I worked for the police department, um, uh, I would always end up working um, holidays.
3: That's fair.
2: And um, and so they kind of, um, uh, like my family, we kind of create our own holidays when we go. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: okay, now now I have to think. Which one's my favorite? <laughs> um, I think Halloween. Okay,
3: that's a good one. Because
2: I'm out in the country, and so I buy, you know, I pretend to myself that there's going to be lots of people coming <laughs> by. So I buy the big thing of candy, the ones I like. And um, I I think I've got one person Uh in here, so so then I can eat it.
3: Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are you a coffee person or a tea person?
2: Tea.
3: Cats or dogs? Oh, that's hard to choose. Both? I'll Um, accept both. My co-host who isn't with me today, she's a cat person. I'm obviously a dog person, so this is like our eternal battle. So you're allowed to say both. That's okay.
2: Okay, okay. Well, and I have, if we're just going by numbers, I have four cats and um, only two dogs right now. So okay. um, cats do have the majority, but dogs do have the, the mass. <laughs> that's um, true. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a hard one.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: um, did, the... I do, yeah, I do like dogs because you can do so much with them outside, mm-hmm. but um, cats are awfully snuggly. <laughs>
3: All right, we'll we'll allow both. I I won't make you choose okay. between the two. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite food?
2: Uh, tropical Skittles.
3: Wow, you and my wife should hang out. That's she loves those as well. Um, They're really good, and you can't find them anywhere. Is, so, so is that I, the I, I is that the purple the, the purple bag or the green <laughs> bag or the orange bag?
2: Uh, it is the green bag.
3: Okay. See, okay. I, I know my okay, Skittles wait, wait, wait. pretty well. No, it's
2: the orange. The green is the sour. It's the orange
3: bag. Okay. okay. Yeah. She's a fan of the those blue? as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Oh, okay. I. Um... Oh. <sighs> I get yelled at mm. a lot for this one.
2: I know, I know. Um, this is one of the ones that uh, you have to think about, you know, for a day or 2
3: mm-hmm. um, Oh. I always tell people uh, Dr. <laughs> oh, Seuss. Ahead. I always tell people Dr. Seuss or Jim Henson are the two that I always go with. Ooh, those are good ones. I was thinking Mark Twain. He going oh, be interesting. that's a really good one, too.
2: Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, I like that one so, a lot. That's really good.
2: Ooh. Now, you know, once we hang out, then I'm going to have about 10 of them (laughs) pop into my head right away.
3: I know. Somebody once named, like, six or seven, and I was like, well, I guess we'll just call it a dinner party, and we'll just let you have all of those names. That's okay. (laughs) Um, Last question for you, Katie. What do you hope readers take away from reading your books?
2: Oh, you know, I just, all I hope with the books is that they have uh, a few hours of escape time. Uh, I think, especially right now, um, having some uh, escape is important. And um, my both my parents, they're in their 80s, mm-hmm. and they both read my books. And um, uh, the other day, my mom said she finds them very comforting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a nice compliment, because um, uh, cause that's kind of... I, I always love reading books that um, are kind of the book equivalent of a nice hug. Yeah. So. Um uh, you know everyone's happy at the end. Um there's there's like exciting moments and and um you know I hope they're caught up in the story and, and um um but at the end, you know, I just I hope they're entertained and then um and also, you know, if it's um what people are looking for that they're also uh comforted too for that time.
3: That's perfect. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a blast.
2: Thank you so much. Sorry about all the babbling.
3: (laughs) No, that's okay. Babbling is great. We're basically a podcast of babbling. It's perfect.
1: (laughs) Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring